You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. Today, I want to speak to you about drifting. That's right, drifting. You see, we all drift, don't we? We drift away from our work, our studies. We drift away from our responsibilities, sometimes as spouse, parents, children, and so on and so forth. We just drift away, don't we? I mean, we drift away from our friends, colleagues, and sometimes even our families. And here's the painful truth about drifting. Drifting apart or drifting away is never a good experience, right? And it is the same with God as well. And there are two groups of people that drift away from God. First, they drift away from God because something happened along the way. Now they don't care about God. They did before, but now they just want to live their lives with their own set of rules and values. Do they still believe in God? Well, maybe, but that doesn't matter because it doesn't make any difference anymore. God is just irrelevant to them. And of course, there are some who doesn't care about God from the very beginning. You see, perhaps they just grew up in an environment or with some experiences that they have come across that made them to resist to the very idea of God in their lives. So you can say that all the while they just don't care about God in a sense that they drifted away from God from, the very, from, from very early on. And so these are the first group of people who drift away from God. The second are those who believe almost everything and anything about God. They tend to believe the right things, say the right things, and do the right things. So, wait, how can they drift away from God, right? You may ask. Well, uh, they do, in fact. They, drift, they still drift away from God through their attitudes, Attitude of, you know, attitudes like self-righteousness, being judgmental or critical to people who do not think, speak, or behave like them. You see, they cannot stand such people. They separate themselves. They, they just cannot relate or accept such people. And here is the funny thing. This group of people, sometimes they don't realize that they are actually drifting away from God. They think they are okay with God when they are not, actually. So, well, these are the two groups of people uh, that drift away from God. And so let me ask you, can you relate with any one of the groups? I'm guessing that if you and I are to be honest, all of us can relate with either one or even both groups in one way or another. But here is, a, here is a more important question to ask, I guess, and to ponder and to consider, and that is this. How does God feel about you and me when we drift in one way or another, for whatever reason that is? And in this juncture, in this juncture Jesus comes along and answers the question for us. And if you pay close attention to what he's going to say, what he says, actually, it might just encourage you and inspire you for a change uh, in your life or change in the situation of your life. 
And Jesus' answer is found in one of the most popular uh, parables he told, which many know it as the parable of the prodigal son. That's right. It's recorded for us by one of the gospel writers uh, by the name of Dr. Luke. And as you would know, right, all the parables are told in specific occasions. They have context, they have settings by which or in which the speaker would, would, would say, would tell the parable. So in this case, let me show you the occasion where Jesus told this parable to his audience. Now, the tax collector, Luke records for us in Luke chapter 15, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In other words, Jesus, as you see that right over here, Jesus was hanging out with the bad guys. And when the religious leaders saw that, they criticized, they couldn't take it. And they criticized Jesus for associating, for embracing, for associating himself with the sinners, for accepting them, for embracing them, uh, just hanging out with these so-called sinners. And, and that was the setting. This was the context upon which Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son. And here's how Jesus told the parable. There was a man who had two sons. Now wait, I think we need to pause here because this is where we need to change the title of this parable, right? It should not be called the parable of the prodigal son. Instead, we should call it what? The parable of the father, right? Who had two sons or the parable of a father and his two sons. Because you see, there are three characters in this parable. So it's all about, it's, 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 it's about these three people that are mentioned and not just the younger son uh, that is quite popular among many readers, right? Well, I believe this could be one of the reasons why the character of the younger son gets more attention. Look with me. Jesus said, the younger son, the younger one said to his father, right? Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided his property between the two sons. And after that, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered all his wealth in while living. And of course, the dress are details. But let me put it this way. What the younger son said was just unthinkable. In essence, what he did was this. He cursed his father to die. He took his father's inheritance by force. He left the entire family and then he wasted everything he took from his father through immoral lifestyle. So it's quite obvious, right, that he seems to be the bad guy in the story. And probably because of that, he gets a greater attention. But as mentioned earlier, this parable is about three people. 
And that's what we see as the story continues on, right? Because Jesus said that the younger son, after realizing, after hitting the road and coming to the end of his life, right? Uh, end of the road of drifting. The son returns, Jesus tells us, returns home quite hesitantly, yet quite desperately. And what did the father do as a way of responding to, this, to the situation? Look, this is what the father did, right? While he, the younger son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Not anger, but it's quite interesting. His father was filled with compassion for him. And he ran toward his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. In other words, as you would know from this parable, right? The father has been waiting for his return. And once his son did, what did he do? He embraced him. He accepted him for who he was, just as he was. And he welcomed him back to the family as his son. So you see, the younger son in this parable drifted away from his loving father. And he did all the bad stuff unimaginable. But later on, he repented and he returned to his father who accepted him. Now, however, in this parable, there is a twist that Jesus brought about. Because unlike the father and everyone at home, there was someone who wasn't happy at the return of the younger son, who was the bad guy, you know, who did something that was unthinkable and unacceptable. And that someone was the older son who was supposedly the good guy in the parable. While everyone in the house was celebrating the return of the younger son, Jesus tells us that the older son was struggling outside of the house. <laughs> Look at this. This is how Jesus tells us. The older brother became angry and refused to go inside the house where the party was going on. So his father has to come out, right? His father went out and pleaded with him. A good question to ask would be this. Why was he angry? Why was the older brother, the older son angry? Everyone was happy. I mean, everyone was happy, right? Except the older son, except this guy, except the good guy, you may say. Why? And here's the clue, I guess. The older son said this to the father, but he answered his father, look, look, father. All these years, I have been slaving for you. And I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet, you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Right? And then, he went on to say, But when this son of yours, who has squandered all your property with the prostitutes, come home and you would kill the fattened cow for him, calf for him. You see, the older son was basically saying this, Father, why would you be happy? Why, why are you happy? Why are you celebrating over someone who did all the bad stuff? All the unthinkable and unacceptable things. Why are you treating someone who did all this shameful stuff, who cursed you to die, who disobeyed and disrespected you, who ran away from home, leaving all of us behind? Why are you treating him as if he did nothing wrong? I have never seen you treat me like this. 
even though I am the son who obeyed you. You, you see that? That's, <laughs> that was basically what he was saying. How come? When I am the son who obeyed you, when I am the son who respected you, who served you, who looked after you, when I am the son who was faithful to you in everything, I didn't do any bad stuff against you or any, anyone else. Father, your younger son doesn't deserve such treatment after all that he has said and done against you and every one of us. Only those people who are faithful, in other words, obedient and good people deserve such treatment that you are giving right now to my younger brother. And interestingly, you, you know, right? Jesus actually painted quite an unexpected picture of the older son in this parable. And of course, he was doing it with intention because he was trying to tell the religious leaders about their attitude. Because you see, Jesus showed that the older son actually drifted away from the father as well. Not just the younger son, but the older son drifted as well. The older son drifted away through his what? Self-righteousness, judgmental, and critical spirit against his brother who did all the bad stuff, that's right. But also against his father who showed mercy to his younger brother. And listen, this is how Jesus ended the parable. And it's quite interesting. Jesus ended the parable with this. My son, the father said, in response to the older son, you are always with me. You have always been with me. And everything I have is yours. There is nothing that is, everything is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours who was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, but he's now found. Unfortunately, right in this parable, there was no indication of the older brother repenting and returning into his father's house, right? The parable ended with the older son still standing outside his father's house. Listen, my friends. Through this parable, Jesus brought hope. That's right. Jesus brought hope to those who drift away from God. And in this parable and through this parable, especially to these two groups of people that he was talking to, the first, the tax collectors and sinners, basically those people who do all the bad stuff. And the second group of people that God is bringing hope, Jesus is bringing hope, are those people, the religious people. You see, Jesus illustrated the first group of people with the character of the younger son, right? Who did all the bad stuff, who went away. Quite obvious that he drifted away. And lo and behold, yes, these tax collectors, these sinners... They are. They are the ones who are totally quite obvious that they have drifted away from God, but there is hope for them. But not only that, but the second group of people, right? The religious group of people, he illustrated with the older son. So you see, Jesus was basically saying this through this parable, that look, no matter how sinful a tax collector or a criminal can be, 
Listen to this. No matter to what extent they drift away from God, there is hope for them. And what is this hope? This hope is that God will embrace them no matter what. This hope is that God will accept them just as they are. Sinners. This hope is that God will make them His beloved children and give them His inheritance, give them new life. But listen, in the same way, in the same tone, in the same way, Jesus was also saying that no matter how good a person you are, referring to the religious leaders who pretend to be good and who may be good in many ways, all right? That no matter how good a person you are or you try to be, that you may not do any bad stuff like the tax collectors and other sinners, but you are still susceptible. And in fact, in this case, right, the religious leaders were already drifting away from God through their self-righteousness, through their judgmental and critical spirit. And yet Jesus, through this parable, He's telling them that for them as well, that there is hope. There is hope for them as well. As illustrated by the father in the parable, remember, going out of the house and pleading the older son to accept whatever the father has accepted and to be part of his joy. Now, here is the good news for all of us. And that is this, the hope that Jesus is talking about is for you and me as well. That's right. Because you see, we all drift in one way or another for different reasons. And I know, and I know some of you, I know some of you who are drifting away from God, like the younger son in the parable. And let me be very honest with you right here. All right. If I were you, or in your situation, you know what? I'll, I'll most likely drift away as well. Because you know what? I drifted away before for my own good reason. And for some of you, drifting seems to be a better option, isn't it? It was for me as well. Because you see, you feel so liberated, right? You don't feel burdened anymore. And for some of us, we don't feel guilty even. Quite interestingly, I don't know how that works, but well, it does, isn't it? And you suddenly feel that you are now living your own life and not someone else. It's like, yes, finally I got my life back, you know? It's like I get to live my life the way I deserve to live. And you may still believe you, I mean, you, you still may or may not believe in God, but I mean, who cares? And I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't. But look, whatever your reason is for drifting away from God and whatever you believe or whatever you don't about God, please hear me say this to you because I want to tell you this, that like the younger son in the parable, no matter how you messed up your life, no matter how far you drift away, you have hope for your life. You must remember this. You have this hope that Jesus is giving through that parable. 
Because like the father in the parable, no matter how far, no matter how bad you drift away, God is always waiting for you. And God is always ready to run toward you the moment you make a U-turn and return to Him. But I know at the same time that some of you here, you don't care what I'm saying. You don't care what I'm saying now. And that is perfectly okay. Really, trust me. I mean, drift all the way you want to. You know why? Because God's love and His mercies for you will never, ever run out for you. You can bet your life on that. And if you ever come to a point of desperation or to a dead end, to your drifting, like the younger son in the parable, please do yourself a favor by making a U-turn and return to the God who waits for you. Because your dead end to, the, to your drifting is not the dead end to your life. It's just a dead end to your drifting. There is a U-turn. And you can U-turn, make a U-turn and return to God who loves you, who, who waits for you. Return to the God who is not angry that you drifted away. No, He's not. But he's heartbroken for you. He's heartbroken that you drifted away for whatever reason that is. Return, make a U-turn and return to God, to the God who accepts you just as you are. You don't have to clean up. He will do it for you. And when he accepts you, he transforms you. He transforms me. Now, what about some of us? You know, what about some of us who are drifting? or who have drifted away like the older son in the parable, you know? Because it's not just the younger brother, but it's the older brother as well. And the older brother drifted as well. So what about some of us who are drifting or have drifted like the older son in the parable? Because you see, again, I know some of us, I know some of us, both Christians and who are not. In fact, um, just last Thursday evening, I was conducting Alpha course for a special group of people. And the topic for the day was on forgiveness. And one person openly shared his struggle to forgive some people. And I asked, who? Who are those people? And he said, well, those people who mercilessly kill innocent people. I hate them. I just cannot forgive them. How to forgive them? Who would kill someone just like, I mean, just so mercilessly. I cannot, I mean, it felt like as if he was saying that, well, God may forgive them, but I cannot. Now, come to think of it, isn't this a real issue or struggle for many of us as well, right? I mean, let's be honest. Let me ask you, who comes to your mind? I believe it comes. Who comes to your mind when I ask you, who are the people you cannot forgive, really? Who are the people or who are the people you find it very difficult, very hard to forgive? Right? You have, right? I have. We struggle, right? Don't we? You see, for the older son in the parable, it was his own younger brother that he couldn't forgive. Why? Well, because he felt that his younger brother doesn't deserve forgiveness. That his younger brother doesn't deserve forgiveness after all that he has said and done against the father and the family. But you see, The issue is actually much deeper than that. 
The issue is not just about doing bad things so so bad that you cannot receive that you 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 do not deserve forgiveness no it, it, the issue is much deeper than that and and here's what i i believe the issue is the the main issue is the attitude or the spirit of superiority now what do i mean by that remember remember what the older brother in the parable said let me let me show you again but he answered his father, the older brother saying to the father, saying, look, father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you, right? And never disobeyed, never. I never disobeyed your orders. This son of yours who has squandered your property with what? Prostitutes. Look at this. There is a comparison I have never disobeyed you. I have been slaving for you. But this son of yours squandered all your property with prostitutes. And this was the issue with the religious leaders as well, which Jesus was trying to address. Because they thought, the religious leaders thought of themselves as holy and acceptable to God, whereas the tax collectors and other so-called sinners around were not. And so you see, the moment we view ourselves higher, better, greater, purer, and more superior than others, that's the moment we begin to criticize people, especially those who do not think, speak, or behave like us. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, I am not saying that there is no place for us to speak the truth. To speak the truth about the evil and the injustice in the world. No, we should by all means. But criticizing people has to do with looking down on people. Criticizing people has to do with putting down people. Putting people down, really. It has to do with demeaning, degrading, and de devaluing people. So you see, when you view yourself as superior, as more acceptable to God than all those people around you, you will naturally begin to criticize those people. And when you develop a criticizing spirit in you, that's when you begin to struggle to accept and forgive some People, especially those people that you consider bad people. And if that is you today, if that is what you are struggling with today, then it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm sorry to say, but it doesn't matter how pious or how religious, how good you appear to be, because you might just be drifting or you might have already drifted away from God. And the worst thing can be that you may or may not be realizing that. You may not be realizing that just like the religious leaders Jesus was addressing too. Because you see, they didn't realize. They didn't realize that they were drifting away from God with their attitudes. And that is why Jesus told them this parable. So let me ask you, as I ask this to myself, where have you drifted away from God? Where? Where have you drifted away? 
What aspects of your attitude have you drifted away from God? I know you have drifted because you know what? Because I know I have as well. But I want you to know this. I want you to know that just as the father in the parable came running out of his house to plead the older son, likewise, in the same way, my friends, God knows your struggle and God knows my struggle. And, and, and knowing that, He's not forcing you. He's not rebuking you. He's not angry with you. He's pleading with us. He's pleading. He is the one pleading us to embrace His compassion and His mercy for the people around us, for everyone and anyone, irrespective of who they are, what they have said, or what they have done against God, against you, or against anyone. God. Come on, God is pleading us. What else? What else do you want God to do to convince you? Here's the loving God. He's pleading you and me to have compassion, to have love, like He did with the younger son. Here's the truth. All of us drift in one way or another at different seasons of our lives and for different reasons. But the greater truth is this. No matter how far or how bad we drift away from God, and it may seem that there is no way back from the path we are in, but our God, remember this, our God is a God of diversion, meaning along the drifting path that you are in, God will always provide a U-turn to return to Him because like the Father in the parable, God is always waiting for our return as well. So next time, next time, let me show you something. Next time, whenever you see this, that's right, whenever you see a U-turn sign or a U-turn junction. Whenever you see this, whenever you come across this, I want you to try asking yourself this question. Is there, is there any area in my life that I need to make a U-turn? Because you see, sometimes we may not realize that we are drifting away. And so, Asking this kind of question, I think, would help us to decipher if we are drifting apart from God, if we are heading to the wrong direction when God is on the other side. So, hope you would try asking this question whenever you come across a U-turn sign or a U-turn junction. Is there, ask yourself, is there any area? Let me ask myself. Let me just ponder. Let me just reflect. And may the Holy Spirit reveal to you and may the Holy Spirit give you to really take the U-turn. But for some of you, you know very well you are drifting away. You know you are headed towards this direction. You know that. You know you are not supposed to be in this direction if you really want to live the life to the fullest. You are drifting. You know well. You really know very well. So for you, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, whenever you come across a U-turn 
sign or a U-turn junction. I really pray that you will be reminded of today's parable. You will be reminded of today's message. That whenever you see this, that you will be reminded that God, no matter who you are, no matter what you are doing, no matter how against you are, against God, that God is actually waiting for you on the other side of the road. That every time you come across that junction, that God is just right beside the junction at the other side of the road. Because when you decide to turn, when you decide to make a U-turn, you will find God there because God is coming, running after you. He will embrace you the moment you take the U-turn. He will accept you the moment you U-turn. He will accept you just as you are. You don't have to think about cleaning up yourself. You don't have to. You don't need to. So when you drift, don't worry. If you are moving this direction, if you are drifting away, don't worry. Because you will always come across a U-turn junction. God will always provide a U-turn junction along the way you drift. Just make sure when you come across one, take the U-turn and return to God. And return. Return to God. Because, my friends, you, you can never live a life to the fullest on this earth or with this life without the one who made you the way you are today. Without the one who can make you the best of you. And can I tell you as I end this, our time together, you will never regret returning to God. You, you will never you can be assured of that. You can bet your life on that. You will never regret returning to God, to God, to the God who loves you so much that He gave Himself up for you. To, to returning to the God who loves you too much to leave you alone in the path of drifting. You will never regret returning to God. And that's my encouragement for all of us no matter where you are, that you and I will consider the U-turn and return to God. That's my hope and that's my wish for all of us. Amen. God bless you.